And so before we continue to submerge into the depths of our unsearchable inheritance that is in Jesus Christ, the unchanging epigraph of our study of the Word of God is the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses <clears throat> and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So that we as the participants of the body of Christ would share together with Christ all the things that are to be fulfilled that are written about him in scripture, we will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the word of God and with the Holy Spirit, looking at and revealing what is within our heart. We will look at what we need to do from our side to perceive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can put on the new way of life. Ephesians 4:22 through 24, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. If you can imagine for yourself that if a person is not taught how to put off the former way of life, his old man, if he's never been told about this, and if he's just told he needs to evangelize, then he will evangelize, and this evangelism will be in deceitful lusts. He will not be able to be renewed by the spirit of his mind <clears throat> because he will have no understanding of or, or how to even be clothed into his new person. It's possible people read it, but they just run through it. It doesn't worry them. They don't think about it or focus upon it, and that's what they do with the entire book of the Bible. But if a person does not pay attention to this, then he already has condemned himself. His lot is already decided. It's not important what he does, what church he sits in, if he does not put off his former way of life, will not be renewed by the spirit of his mind, will not put on the new man, then he will perish. To fulfill this commanding order, as we see, we have been studying three vital, charging, and fundamental acts. And these are to put off, be renewed, and put on. We have noted that it is specifically your decision regarding these three destiny-affecting acts to put off, be renewed, and put on that will determine whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath, or more specifically, will the coming about about of our salvation happen or will we lose it forever which will then result in our name being forever blotted out of the book of life although they may have been written there at one time in a specific format we've already studied the first two questions and stopped to study the third question what conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind we begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth truth. 
relevant to clothing ourselves into the power of our new person who contains the power of the resurrection of Christ and the all armor of light, we've concluded that we really need God's help in the form of his redeeming mercy. The means of receiving any kind of help, this help demonstrated in the form of the inheritance of the mercies of God, is the armor of prayer or worship in spirit and in truth. We have noted that the genesis of prayer is inherent to the genesis of God as it's always existed and reveals itself there where God abides. Therefore, the extent or degree of our knowledge of the will of God, which we are studying in these three functions to put off the old man, with his deeds be renewed by the spirit of your mind and clothe yourself into your new person absolutely depends on the extent of your understanding of the genesis of prayer. Prayer is the language of God, the means given to us by God and the legitimate right to communicate with God. This is specifically why erecting an altar, identifying the state of the heart and motives of a worshiper of God as well as the sacrifice that is brought upon such an altar, identifying the legit and rightful status of prayer, belonged exclusively to those people that were clothed into the rightful virtue and status of a priest. For infants in Christ or people of the flesh also that do not have the spirit, a person of the flesh does not have the spirit, he can speak in tongues, but he does not have the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues is the ability of our spirit to pray to speak or communicate with God, but this does not mean that we have the Holy Spirit, because as it is, the Holy Spirit only comes and baptizes people and then leaves them, because the goal that he has, if this person is not the bride, then he abandons her immediately. He abandoned, he left the very next morning, the, he came, he slept, he, let, he, he was in the house of Laban, and they tried to hold him. He gave them gifts. There were golden and silver items and clothing that he gave them, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They thought, this is the Holy Spirit, he's with us. But he said, no, his goal was Rebecca, the bride. And the bride can only be a person whose heart is built into an altar. When upon his altar, true prayer can be brought and offered. A person that is clothed into the rank and virtue of a priest is a person that is clothed into the virtue of a legitimate median. This person is trusted by God with the right by the means of legitimate prayer that satisfies God's demands and is his language to approach God and enter into the presence of God in order to present his rights and his interests that are demonstrated in his will. Rebecca, she went to greet Isaac, symbolically Christ, and the Holy Spirit led her there. You see, the Holy Spirit is given to lead us, to teach us how to approach God correctly. One of these prayers is written in the 143rd Psalm of David, and this psalm opens up the condition based upon which a person is called to form a legitimate foundation for God so that God's mercy may intervene into 
his life as well as the boundaries of those areas he rules over and that he, he carries responsibility for before God. The psalm has become the subject of our next studies. Let's uh, read this prayer. I trust that this has now become our prayer, our mutual prayer, and every one of us individually at home periodically turns to it and prays with it because you know every word and the meaning of each of the words, applying it to yourself. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, answer me, and in your righteousness, do not enter into judgment with your servant. For in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the works of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. This is how only a student can pray. I remember people would come to me and ask me, how long are we going to be students? Is the time going to finish when we no longer are students? And I told them, I'm sorry, this time will never finish. Jesus is eternally a student of the Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit also. And they don't have this this question in, in their heart, how long will we be the stu- a student of God? It's a blessing uh, to be a student of Christ and learn from Him and wait. And I never understood these people and today don't understand this. For me, the word student is something close and dear. I am a student. I learn. I try to learn from everyone and with every person when I communicate. I obtain something, I learn something. People learn from me and I learn from them. They may not even think that that's going on, but that but the Holy Spirit reveals when you're a student, He will reveal to you details of being a student. Here, look at this, look at this from this angle. You can learn something here. When you're a student, you are always ready to learn. But if you're not ready, you will not see or hear or comprehend with the heart. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake, for your righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I I am your servant. Psalm 143, 1-12. Many pastors are against uh, the word slave or servant. It doesn't ex- exist or shouldn't exist. We need to be free. Yes, we have uh, freedom to choose. We have the right to choose 
the kind of servant we want to be, either be a servant of righteousness or a servant of sin. We have no other option. The phrase, cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, indicates and is uh, connected to the early morning that follows the dark night. And any morning, even our morning, is testimony of resurrection. And so David, he asked that God, by by this morning, show him the resurrection of Christ, which was to deliver our body from the law of sin and death. And it is not death that delivers us from the law of sin and death, but the resurrection of Jesus that does this. And so destroy the stronghold of death within our body and erect the stronghold of the resurrection of Christ in its place. Therefore, in order for David as well as us to hear the mercy of God early in the power of the resurrection of Christ as a result of the given to us by God redemption that is in Jesus Christ and is by Jesus Christ, it was necessary for David and necessary for us us to present to God a legitimate foundation, a specific right that is imprinted upon the tablets of our heart. Not written in the Bible, but written upon the tablets of our heart. Not with ink, as Apostle Paul writes, but by the Spirit. A legitimate foundation upon the tablets of our heart in the given prayer are ten unique-in-their-nature arguments identified as the governing and are the promises and inheritance and commandments that we need to present to God as the consistency of our heart, telling God, hear me in your faithfulness and your righteousness. Hear me for the sake of remembering the days of old and all of the works that are imprinted upon the tablets of my heart. Hear me, for I spread out my hands to you without doubt or wrath. Hear me, for in you do I trust. You are my hope. Hear me, for I lift up my soul to you. Hear me, because in you I take shelter. Hear me, for you are my God. Hear me for your name's sake. Hear me for your righteousness' sake. And hear me because I am your servant. In the previous services, we already looked at the nature of the first argument and stopped to study the second argument. And this was evidence that David's heart contained memories, and our heart contains memories of the days of old and all of the works that were done by God in those old days. This, the, this is the redemption of Christ. It starts from the very first words of the Bible and finishes with the book of Revelations, and all of these works of God speak of his redemption. We note that the symbol of the evidence is the breastplate of judgment of the high priest, which is, was an item of unique and continual remembrance before God, which identified with itself the legitimate example of continual prayer, which we, as kings and priests of the new covenant, are to approach God in Christ Jesus and constantly be in communication with Him. And this breastplate of judgment was created for and served only one element, sacral element within the heart of a man. This is the and the Thummim, the presence of which allowed God to hear man and allowed man to hear God. If you have the Urim and the Thummim in the heart, then we will hear in our heart the voice of the Holy Spirit in the words of God's delegated persons. And when we do something and we have a question or we are in a difficult situation or circumstance, we will be able to hear how the Holy Spirit speaks in our heart, will teach us, will warn us. 
Be careful, do not open. Be careful, do not look there. Do not go there. Do not touch this. And if you will be attentive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, then you will save yourself. But if not, if you don't have the Urim and the Thummim, he won't speak. He only speaks by the Urim and the Thummim. And we know that the Urim is the symbol of the Holy Spirit that reveals the truth in the heart, and Thummim is the truth that we can only receive by being instructed in the faith, the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ. The symbol of the breastplate of judgment is the ruling truth. The 12 golden settings is the ruling truth of the elementary principles of Christ, which identifies the order of the given law of God in righteousness and holy truth that we as worshipers of God are called to demonstrate before the face of God in the legitimate foundation or basis of our continual prayer. The 12 precious stones with engraved upon them as a signet names of the sons of Israel as a symbol and format of our continual prayer, presenting with itself the perfect judgments of God contained in the elementary principles of Jesus Christ. When we're talking about the judgments of God, then we need to understand that God's judgment, first of all, were called to protect the children of God and justify the children of God to bring them peace and give them the right uh, uh, definition to things, to call black, black, white, white. And only the secondary definition of judgment is to punish the lawless and the unclean, the wicked, that do not obey the truth of the Bible. With this, we conclude that it wasn't the golden settings in the form of the truth of the, wor- of the Word of God that were adjusted in size and configuration to the precious stones, but the precious stones in the form of our prayers, our prayers are the ones that are adjusted in size and configuration to fit the settings of truth, the golden settings of truth, which is why the revelation of God in the form of the Urim, symbolizing the Holy Spirit, can only exist within the boundaries of the truth, which in the heart of a man is the Thummim, demonstrating the principles of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, as it is written, I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you, Exodus 31.6. It was talking about the building of the, of the tabernacle. This was a symbol. This is building of our body into a spiritual house, our body. While within our body, we have the old person, the body cannot be a temple. You say, how is this? Apostle, the apostle says, the Spirit of God lives in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, yes, but he's talking about those people whose spirit the, uh, of God lives in them, whose the, uh, the old person is bound. He needs to be bound and put into a prison, and only then the Holy Spirit as the master can live within such a person. He does not live in spiritual infants or people of the flesh. Apostle Paul says, though you are of the flesh not having the spirit, or infants that are tossed to and fro by every uh, wind of doctrine, by the trick, trickery and craftiness of men. The Holy Spirit will not go uh, in and enter and live in someone who does not pay attention to him. It's uh, He only will in those p- persons or those people who respond to him. And this is very important. The friendship of the Thummim and Urim within the heart of a person is the unification of two formats of godly wisdom 
The scriptures state that the carriers of the Thummim and the Urim are the true worshippers of God and possess the immune system of the Holy Spirit or the position of sovereignty. In a specific format, we've already looked at the seven qualities that the heart of a warrior in prayer possesses in the first seven precious stones of the breastplate of judgment by which God can continually continually bring about his will upon planet earth and stop to study the eighth quality and eighth precious stone upon the breastplate of judgment of our heart presented in the virtue of the precious agate stone. The name carved upon the second precious stone of the breastplate of judgment is the name Asher. He is the eighth son of Jacob, and his name means a captive of blissfulness or blessing. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, How happy I am. The women will call me happy. So she called him Asher. Genesis 30, 12-13. We are called to bear this Asher this fruit to receive in the form of a seed the kingdom of heaven and then in the form of fruit bear such a son because in order to be happy a happy or bliss of ca- blissful captive of God it's not when someone binds you but you bind yourself or graft yourself to the better vine when you make the decision when you pay the price for this decision the price of your nation the house of your father and your destructive desires only then are you able to graft yourself or bind yourself to the best vine translated from the Greek word agat it means blessed which completely corresponds to the meaning of the name Asher a captive of bliss or blessing written upon this stone. The name of God presented in the precious agate and every stone presented a specific name of God. According to the conclusions of a Jewish rabbinate is El Elyon, which means most high. This directs to the unlimited and sovereign authority of God in his unlimited expanse, which he fills with himself due to his omnipresence as well as the created by him visible and invisible creation which also expands and is endless which we call uh, space it does not have a beginning it does not have an end sometimes people say show me God and I tell him do you understand the word space well I can't capture completely what space is but uh, but I do know and I tell him this is God endless except space uh, is his goodness and he fills himself in this goodness you can't identify or understand him but when you begin to understand who he is then you have a specific fear or reverence uh, before him and you then uh, lose this illusion of other gods uh, it immediately disappears the god of the valleys the god of the ma- uh, of the mountains God became angry when the Gentiles that surrounded uh, Israel said see the god of the valleys with them let us meet with them on the mountains or if he's of the mountains let's meet in the valley and God was not favorable to Israel at that time when they agreed with these Gentiles but for his own sake because the Gentiles said this he says through the prophet for 
my sake because they say that their God is not the God of the mountains but of the valleys only or the other way. I will show them that I am the God of the mountains and the valleys. I am. God has always battled with man and man with God. The Pharaoh always thought this land was his land, his earth, and God always told him, so you will know that the earth is God's. He says, the entire earth is mine. The ten plagues that passed by was the, for the purpose of making the Pharaoh understand that the earth is the Lord's. And so people that today fight for land die and battle for land today. What is this? They fight for land as if it truly belongs to them. Even the nation of Israel understood that the land of Canaan does not belong to them, as it were. You can't sell a land to another forever because this is my land, it's not yours. You are sojourners upon this land. You are sojourners. And so when you are visiting here, you then begin to, you understand this, you begin to behave differently. Our land is the new heaven and new earth. This will be our land together with the Lord. This is also the uh, the land of the Lord this area, this territory, but God said, I put you here temporarily, but you for me are eternal or forever, and for you I have created a new heaven and new earth, and together I will live with you forever, eternally, upon this new heaven and new earth. According to the meaning of the name Asher, the eighth principle in the foundation of our continual prayer is the function demonstrated in our becoming a, a dependent or becoming a blessed captive of God. Relevant to this subject, we already studied a series of parables and events that we became familiar with and their conditions. We learned that we can fulfill these conditions by the name of God, El Elyon, or God Most High, and destroy the stronghold of death within our body in the form of reigning in sin. This reigning sin identifies the essence of the old person, so that we would cast him from out of our body to hell with noise, and afterwards erect the stronghold of the kingdom of heaven in the form of the stronghold of eternal life, in the place in the place of the stronghold of death and stop to look at the next condition this condition consists in the 18th psalm of david where the holy spirit with the right that he alone has reveals the condition based upon which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of god el el yon or god most high and this condition is that in the circumstances of our hardship in life when we are putting off the old person we can call upon the most high as to our god and confess the faith of our heart stating this is the most difficult time for a person when he feels that he is perishing. God will lead him to such a uh, place uh, where he will see. He won't do this intentionally, but he will want to show this person when he's battling so that he can when he battles so he can see that he can't do anything with himself, that his desires, his lusts are stronger than him. He will cry and pray and uh, shout. But these lusts will uh, lead him to death, and he'll see that he is going to perish. And being in this state, he will call out, cry out to God, if it's possible, if it's possible, pull me out from this situation. And this is the condition, a very difficult one, 
when God will pull a person out from death, casting off this old person with his deeds. And this condition again, so that we can call upon the Most High and confess our faith, the faith of our heart, stating who God is to us in Christ Jesus. It's very important when you in this situation begin to confess who God is to you in Jesus Christ, not just shout, Lord deliver me, begin to confess in prayer who He is to you. Lord, you are my redeemer. You are my redemption. You've redeemed me. You paid a price for me. You are my strength. You are my stronghold. You are the horn of my salvation. You begin to exclaim. You begin to state who God is to you, what he's done for you, and who you are for him. As soon as you begin to say these things, the situation will immediately start to change. Immediately, you you are just in hell, you will immediately be pulled out from this hell. God has no other way. With your words, by your words, you will be justified or condemned. If you will be obedient and confess the faith of your heart, to confess your faith, you need to accept first this faith into your heart and then confess it. Then you will come out victorious. And so this allegory is one of the most powerful and voluminous symbols where we see the collaboration of our renewed mind in the form of King David and the name of God and also the confrontation of our renewed mind with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul together with reigning sin. Because it is by the means of the confession of the faith of the heart stating who God is to us in Christ Jesus and what God has done in Christ Jesus, God can receive the proper basis or grounds to join the battle for our earthly bodies in order to shame the old person by the power of his redemption and forever cast him out into hell with noise. And in character, the person Psalm of David contains three parts where we see an example and the character of legitimate prayer. The first part identifies the condition or state of David's heart as a warrior in prayer, which is the grounds for his legitimate prayer. The second part reveals the consistency of this legitimate prayer, which gave God the proper basis to deliver David from the hand of all of his enemies, where he states who God is for him, what he's done for him, and who he is to God. And third part describes the prayer battle itself, which surpasses, of course, the comprehension of the regular logical mind of man, because it is in an epic format. In a specific format, we've already looked at the first part and stopped to study the second part, which reveals the consistency of the legitimate prayer in the eight names of God Most High. Getting to know and confessing the power contained in the heart of David in the eight following names of God allowed God to uh, allowed David to love God and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised to be saved from his enemies and for God discovering the truth revealing the power of his names in the heart of David provided God proper grounds to use his abilities that consist in these eight names to battle against the enemies of David I will love you O Lord my strength. 
The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. And so these eight names, the Lord is my strength, the Lord is my rock, the Lord is my fortress, the Lord is my deliverer, the Lord is my strength in whom I will trust, the Lord is my shield, the Lord is the horn of my salvation, and the Lord is my stronghold. Sometimes they say, what is the difference between uh, fortress and stronghold? When we study, we will see. <clears throat> Because one is where you run into, and another is where you run from someone to hide. It's a little bit different. To run to God is to get to know God. In a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed and the measure of our faith, we already looked at our lot, the lot of our inheritance, and the power contained in the name of God strength and have been studying the name of God rock that in inner consistency contains an unearthly form of hardness that is inherent to the nature of our heavenly father and is not something that can be comprehended with the regular abilities of the human mind we note that this nature of prayer where David confesses his inherited lot in the existing names of God most high is purposed to be the calling and a mantle of a king, a priest, and a prophet anointed by the Holy Spirit to rule over his earthly body. And if a person is not anointed to reign over his calling, that is his earthly body, then this prayer, this when we're talking about reigning, this is to make this body a temple for the Lord, then this prayer is not for him and will not benefit him. Therefore, the quality and vocabulary identifying a rock in the sense of a character of hardness that we are talking about here, that we are studying, has no relation to the definition of the word as it exists in the dictionaries of this world, since a rock as uh, in the quality of the hardness, the supernatural hardness, is an identification and specification of the quality and nature of God exclusively. In scripture, the definition of the word rock as the characteristic hard relates to the word or is defined as resistant, strong, healthy, wise, tested, or tried, rooted, well-established, immovable, constant, continual, fearless, unquenchable, or undiminishing, unpenetrating for sin, free from sin, and independent from sin, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the quality of a rock pertaining to the name of God Most High found in Scripture in these forms, hard is stone, cliff, a span, a measuring wreath or rod, heaviness, weight, and scales. This means a specific weight by which you can determine the price and worth of the weight individual, individual person when it comes time to weigh or an item. The time of harvest. Each person has the time of his harvest. And when God will weigh him, if he is not in accordance to his weight, then he will cast him out. He will blot him out of his mouth, out of his book, or uh, vomit him out of his mouth, as it is written. Because in the church he'll sit and he won't understand anything. He just becomes 
re, uh, just a religious person, as you would call a religious person. Religion is a dead faith. This is not a living faith. He has already died spiritually. As it is written, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span, and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? He doesn't mean, God doesn't mean his uh, materialistic creation or his uh, nature, as it were, his literal nature. When it's talking about uh, heavens and the dust, it's all with, that is within a person. He weighed the mountains in scales. He wanted to see whether we are in accordance to his promises. He put his promises on one scale plate and us upon the other. And if we don't have these promises, if we're not striving to have our bodies adopted by the redemption of Christ, if we're striving to receive gifts, he gave gifts, silver and golden and and clothing garments. We want to practice spiritual gifts, rebuke demons, evangelize. But this is lighter than emptiness. God will only see fruit. Gifts who have no weight when they're on us. The only things that gifts can do for us that are upon us, if we don't have the fruits of the Spirit, they become our idols. God can't love a person who is clothed with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are His gifts. This is something He gives. But a person wants to take well, Laban, Bethuel, they took the gifts, and what benefit was that for them? He, he stayed one night with them and left them. And he, didn't know, he no longer needed them or the gifts he gave them. God allows that people use his gifts, but does not notice God himself. He's looking for people who will pay attention, not to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but the giver, not to for uh, looking at blessings, but the blesser. These people will have gifts and anointing and blessing, but they will look, uh, God's people will not look at them and will not seek them. They'll have them. They won't seek them, however, but God himself. Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord or as his counselor who has taught him? With whom did he take counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as the small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the isles as a very little thing. Isaiah 40, 12 through 15. Therefore, the inherited lot contained in the power of the name of God, Rock, contains the ability of the Most High to judge, to measure, or weigh upon the scale, uh, scales of his godly justice, all the made by him creation, in order to reward or punish each according to their results, whether they did good or evil in their life. Then the fingers of the hands were sent from him, and this writing was written. This is the inscription, Mene Mene Tekel Ufarsin. This is the interpretation, Mene, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. According to what we've learned, that's Daniel 5, 24 through 28. According to what we've learned here, to be clothed into the power of a rock of the Lord is to be clothed into the fear of the Lord that is into wisdom that comes from above, giving us the ability to judge or to weigh upon the scale 
breastplates of the Lord, first ourselves and then those people that we are responsible for. In Deuteronomy, this uh, command was given. <laughs> it is uh, uh, applicable now also, uh, but it, it was also then given so that uh, they not uh, pretty much uh, attempt to m misinterpret the, the commands or explain them in some other way. As a neighbor pastor, uh, Baptist pastor, had been explaining one time, uh, before we used to cuss, and now we're not lo no longer going to cuss, but only... Uh, the Lord understands that things happen and I told him what kind of things are you uh, saying and he was looking into my eyes confused and I, and he was trying to interpret these things incorrectly uh, sometimes people and he uh, had a, a bit of a difficulty with the language as it were to explain things and I, I would I, I would tell the other members to t sometimes t tell him or explain to him the kinds of words he might be using that may not be the correct wording uh, uh, for what he's trying to say. Um, but they voted and selected this person to be their pastor. Uh, but this, And they weren't haters of Christ. And... And so, people only, they of course were not enemies of God and in that situation. You shall not have in your bag differing weights, a heavy and a light. You shall not have in your house differing measures, a large and a small. This is uh, talking about uh, powdered uh, uh, elements or, or, or liquid uh, elements that may be used. This was uh, specifically for that. You shall have a perfect and just weight and a perfect and just measure that your days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. For all who do such things, all who behave unrighteously, are an abomination to the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 25, 13 through 16. Imagine a person who perverts the truth or is offered a truth that has been perverted. And he is then trying to serve God based upon a perverted uh, interpretation of the truth and then when he the scales are put and this person will be weighed uh, it will not be corresponding this person will perish if you're not in accordance to the weight of <coughs> uh, the commandment as it is in its true form if someone told you this, you need to confirm, is this truly so? Can we truly be drinking? Can Is true cultural drinking something for a spiritual person? Can you examine and check this one more time? People don't read the scriptures. They, they just listen to the interpretations of others and uh, accept it and do it. And they call them generals of God. They're not generals of God, they're drunkards. They say, I drink a, a whole glass of wine, and I uh, pretty much perform the, the, the service of uh, communion for myself. Joyce Meyer is one who said these kinds of things also publicly, and 
cries as she explains these things, how she drinks a full glass of wine. If you listen to these kinds of things, you will be weighed on the scales and found very light. A drunkard is not someone who becomes drunk completely, but one that takes it in and drinks it in any amount. And so scale or scale plates of the Lord pertaining to the name of God rock is the absolute power and ability of the Most High, identified as His wisdom to fairly judge or weigh all of the made by Him creation, so that each one weighed upon the plate, plates of these scales receive His reward according to His results. Weights of the Most High are commandments and statutes of the Most High, according to which He judges or weighs upon the scale plates of His justice, the made by Him creation. Therefore, to possess the power of the Most High, consisting in His name Rock, is to possess power to the right to judge yourself and judge those people that you carry responsibility for within the parameters of the commandments and statutes of the Lord, or weigh your words and actions upon the scale plates of justice of the Most High, as well as the words and actions of those people that we carry responsibility for, and to apprehend and be clothed into the unearthly virtue of a rock in the sense of his supernatural hardness contained in the name of God Most High, which satisfies our hunger and thirst and gives us power over our calling, we came to the necessity to look at four classical questions. What in essence is the characteristic of hard or rock? What purpose is the characteristic of hard or rock called to fulfill in our prayers? What price do we need to pay in order to be clothed into this characteristic? By what results do we judge that we truly possess this characteristic? We've noted that all the names of God discovered themselves in each other, but because they are dissolved one in the other, come one from the other, and demonstrate themselves in one the other, empower one the other, and, identif and identify the truthful nature of one the other. Therefore, in the given psalm of David, the eight names of God Most High are presented in the form of a sequence where each succeeding name is a demonstration of the previous name or discovers itself in the following after itself name. In a specific format, we've already looked at the first two questions and stopped to study the third question. What price do we need to pay in order to have the right to clothe our spirit into the characteristic of the uh, rock or hard quality of God so that God would receive the legitimate basis to keep us in perfect peace? As it is written, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Isaiah 26 3. God can't give his peace to a person who does not have uh, a, a strong spirit in, that is in perfect peace. A king can't give a scepter of a king to a child who has not learned how to control or direct his own body. In a specific format, we've already looked at the price of our of four conditions that we, when fulfilled, are called to clothe their spirit into a rock of the Lord. Therefore, we will turn to look at the fifth condition, which consists in implementing God's order into your calling or subject your calling to the structure of God by the means of righteous judgment. Exodus 18.21-23 Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of ten. And let them judge the people at all time. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you just do this thing and 
God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all the people will also go to their place in peace. Exodus 18, 21-23. I will remind us that the legitimacy and ability to judge with a just judgment already by itself identifies our spirit having the quality of a rock of God. First, each of us is called to judge ourselves and those people that we are responsible for in accordance to the demands of the order that functions in the body of Christ in order to know within what boundaries we are called to submit ourselves to the word of authority. We note that the rock quality of our spirit first consists in the fact that each one of us has specific things for which we are called to carry responsibility for before God and make decisions for. And if we will not be doing this and give this initiative to our neighbor, we not only will lose our sovereignty, but will also encourage our neighbor to break our sovereign rights or sovereign boundaries. When the pastor says, let us select a helper for me, brothers and sisters, let's vote for my helpers. He gives this initiative to the neighbor. It's his uh, uh, obligation. He can't be giving this initiative to others to vote for someone. You can uh, say vote for uh, maybe something that may be building in the, in the house of prayer, which also can be problematic because each one may have their own opinion. I remember when we just began to uh, work on the first building that we had purchased, and one brother said, I think this part we can change, and this part will work. And I asked him, in your own house, would you do this? And he said, no. Then I said, why did you decide in that house of God to do this? And he said, oh, pastor, then you decide. He immediately understood. You don't need to be voting uh, for these kinds of things in any way. All of these fights that happen today, battles, they happen because uh, this uh, ability for vote uh, exists. If kings existed, there would not be these revolutions. But uh, if you're in a democratic system where they push forth these uh, homosexuals that shout about their rights, and that's it. And they remove one authority, they place another authority. But if they were to put each one in its place, what's going on in the world? It's all because of this democratic system, and the church hasn't realized yet that in her, this is also existing, and uh, the reason it's in the world is because it started in the church. The church is the pillar of the truth. If the theocracy existed in the church, then there would be more... Uh, kingdoms with kings, not presidents. I understand that some presidents are definitely like a king, but our president can't be as a king in this situation. Will the Senate or Congress give him uh, anything when there's so much Democrats in the system? It's difficult. The church needs to pray for the president that he would be able to overcome these barriers to do something normal and good for the country is impossible. The Democrats never do anything for the country, ever. They do it for themselves and for their party. They don't do it for the, the country. 
While looking at the qualities which are the price for the right to possess the virtue of a rock of God within our spirit so that we can rule over ourselves in accordance to the demands that are implemented by God in Scripture, we decided to look at the first phrase of the studied by us text. Moreover, we shall select from all of the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such. According, accordingly, we yield four characteristics from this writing that we need to have so that our spirit could be clothed into a rock of the Most High, giving us the power to uh, rule over ourselves as well as over those people that we carry responsibility for before God. And this to be... And so what we need to be is an able man, having the fear of God, be a man of truth, and hate covetousness. In the previous service, in a specific format, we already looked at the first two characteristics, giving us the right to the power to be clothed into the rock of the Most High, and stop to look at the third characteristic. This is to be a man of truth. To be a man of truth, or a fair man, is to stand guard of the code of righteousness in accordance to which we are called to think, speak, and act, and discipline ourselves. And in this in this manner. Relevant to the subject, we turn to a place of scripture where ten components are presented by which we need to determine how much we are uh, in accordance to or correspond to the requirement of being a man of truth. This is so that we can allow God to clothe us into the inherent, inherent to him quality of a rock. First Thessalonians 5:15 through 24. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies. Test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Here we see presented ten uh, elements by which we need to judge that we are men of truth, capable of ruling over ourselves. Do not render evil for evil to anyone. Always pursue what is good both for yourself and for all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things that are good to God. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. The definition of being a man of truth is to stand guard of your dedication by the truth of continual continuous sanctification. For sanctification of what is being dedicated is separating the pure from impure and the holy from the unholy. Second, sanctification of what is being dedicated is to be vigilant in prayer where we keep guard so that no foreign or wicked thought enter that into enter into our heart that is attempting to break through into our heart. For I am the Lord your God, you shall therefore consecrate yourself, you shall be holy for I am holy. Leviticus 11:44. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lusts as 
in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. First Peter 1 Peter 1.14-16 We already looked at six requirements by which we need to examine ourselves to see if we are men of truth and doing pro- uh, doing so provide God the proper grounds to clothe our spirit into the quality of a rock so that we can successfully and diligently rule over ourselves and inherit to and <clears throat> be satisfied with the multitude of his peace. The seventh requirement of being a man of truth, stand guard of your dedication to God to true sanctification so that you can rule over yourself is not to despise prophecies so that you can possess the spirit of prophecy. To respectfully, respectfully regard prophecy takes part in separating the pure from impure and the holy from non-holy or in sanctification which stands guard of, of our dedication to God. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy Revelations 19:10 Apostle John said these words or or the angel said to the to John because when he saw the angel uh, John fell at his feet and when he saw this he rose him up and told him <clears throat> I am your fellow servant and he showed that testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy Revelations 19:10 in Hebrew to despise in this situation is to look down upon, forsake, consider as insignificant or as nothing. To understand what the scriptures imply when it comes to prophecy and what categories and characteristics make up prophecy, I will bring forth seven definitions, although there are many more of them. Prophecy is foretelling of the future. To hear, the ability to hear within your heart the voice of the Holy Spirit, the ability to interpret proverbs, visions, dreams, and events. The ability to see and differentiate the signs of the times, the ability to understand the revelations of the Most High, the ability to edify and comfort, and prophecy is the testimony of Jesus within the spirit of a man. Summing up all of these meanings or identifications of prophecy is the confession of the faith of God abiding within within our heart. Again, prophecy is the confession of the faith of God abiding within our heart. Prophecy depends on the measure of our faith, which depends on the measure of our dedication to God. At the same time, our dedication to God depends on the level of our spiritual growth. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Romans 12.6 And the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor both with the Lord and and men. First Samuel two twenty six. And so the um, measure of prophecy or level of prophecy can be different. Samuel grew in stature, his prophecy, the ability of him, uh, his ability to prophesy grew with him. We need to note that a prophet is always one that prophesies, however, one that prophesies is not always a prophet. On the next day, he, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with them. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied, Acts 21. 1, 8, 9, all four virgin daughters who and all prophesied. This talks about the fact that they were specific leaders that were 
uh, empowered by God to speak the truth. One who prophesies is one who can speak. They're able to edify and comfort, but they weren't prophets. The virtue of a prophet in the body of Christ is something given to the category of authority in the form of the five different service groups. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, and was called Niger, Lucius, Cyrene, Menea, who had been brought with up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul to the work to which I have called them. And so again, we, we see here how many people, there were only five people, when they served again, these five men, there are five of them together, they were within the uh, within the category of the people that were authority at that time. We know that the Church of God in Antioch contained a couple thousand Christians. However, the party contained those containing those in authority was only five people and all of them were either prophets or teachers this indicates the detail that a prophet is always a teacher but a teacher is not always a prophet a prophet when a, and a, uh, as it relates to a teacher is always will always be one that uh, will rule and will be in the word and in Lystra, a certain man without without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul, speaking. Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up, straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voice, saying, In the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of a man. And Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Acts 14, 8 through 12. And so Hermes is pretty much chief speaker. And so as soon as people began to preach, Barnabas and Paul uh, preached, but they immediately understood that Paul was greater because Paul was a prophet. He had a, a greater level of anointing. Barnabas was a teacher. The testimony of Jesus that we read about in belongs to prophets and those who prophesy also because the testimony of Jesus within our spirit is the unification of two formats of truth in the form of the Thummim and Urim. If the testimony of Jesus in the spirit of man will not establish itself or be confirmed by the confession of the mouth of a person, then this testimony will be lost. To not despise prophecy is to meditate, study, and learn the consistency of prophecy in any of the six formats, comparing them with the truth of the Holy Scriptures, the six that I listed, what prophecy is. And if they are not in accordance to the law and the spirit of the word of Scripture, then this means that this prophecy does not have light and is not to be received. Turn 
to the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Isaiah 8.20 We note further that the testimony of Jesus in the form of the spirit of prophecy can be increased and perfected in man exclusively within the atmosphere of the love of God, agape. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Pursue love, it says, but you can only do this, therefore, in love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I prophesy right now. My sermon is a prophecy. I prophesy right now. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. 1 Corinthians 14, 1-5 The eighth requirement of being a man of truth, standing guard of your dedication to God by true sanctification, so that you can rule over yourself, is to test all things and test all your paths as to how much they are in accordance to the demands of the truth written in Scripture. We need to uh, check uh, uh, by this uh, these ways our relationship with God. When it says test all things, let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Lamentations 3.40 To examine your ways is to examine the building and the sanctification of your altar that identifies our motives and our goals that we have upon our path. When we build ourselves into a altar of the Lord and it will be sanctified and prepared in order to pursue God's motives, upon it we will then bring, be able to bring sacrifices. And so again, to examine our ways, that's our goals and our motives, that we can either turn toward God or turn against God, we need to know the time and statute. He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful, and a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment, because for every matter there is a time and judgment. Though the misery of a man increases greatly, for he does not know what will happen, so who can tell him when it will occur? Ecclesiastes 8, 5 through 7. In order to follow the commandments, you need to be taught the statutes that are contained in these commandments that have the good goals of God, which are to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ, and to be taught the statutes that are contained in commandments, it is necessary to be clothed into a mantle of a student, which is the mantle of a teacher, or his covering, his robe that he wears, and then pay the a proper price to be, or for the right to be a student of Christ, and learn from the person who is a father of God to us. Further, we note that the ability to examine yourself is linked to a specific time that in which we are offered to receive this mantle of a student from the position of which we can examine our goals and motives, how much they are in accordance to the requirements and interests of our Lord. To lose the time that is given to us or miss it is to rely upon your own mind and search the will of God 
uh, by your own personal mind. A person trusts that with his mind he can search the will of God to understand the will of God. And when a person thinks these things and thinks that this is the correct way, uh, the scriptures say that this person is attempting to take the place of God. A person that is clothed into a virtue of a king but relies upon his mind when it comes to the will of God is attempting uh, again to take God's position. In this situation, this person will perform division in the church and suffer shipwreck in his faith. They cried there, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is but a noise. He has passed by the appointed time. Jeremiah 46.17 Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is our mind. Our carnal mind. The mind of a man will be uh, disappointed. And so the phrase, but a noise in this, pla in this place of scripture is rampage, wail, evilness, storm, and desolation. I'll bring forth seven components by which we can examine or test those things that are to take part in our relationship with God. First, test or examination is to uh, deny what is bad or refuse what is bad and choose the good. And this kind of testing will give uh, was only possible after you are nourished with milk and honey. Isaiah 7, 14, 15. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Curds and honey he shall eat that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. This curds and honey are not produced by a man himself. Someone else sells it and you pay the price for learning. This a supernatural, of course, curds and honey that it's referring to here. Isaiah 7, 14, 15. Examining and testing is something where you uh, search uh, and study what is good to God and refuse to take part in unfruitful works of darkness, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Ephesians 5, 10, 11. When people say and offer that you go and evangelize with them, you need to ask them, who sent you? And they'll say, well, it's written, go throughout the world and preach the gospel. And then you ask the question, it's written here, and it's written to the apostles, but who are you? And you're calling me to go with you. Third, to examine or test is searching yourself how much your life is in accordance to the healthy uh, teaching of Christ. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? 2 Corinthians 13.5 If Christ does not live in us, we will not be able to examine ourselves as to whether we are in the faith. Our conscience, Christ in us is the law of God that is imprinted upon our conscience and the Holy Spirit that reveals the truth in the heart. When we do something wrong, then what is already imprinted there will immediately say, this is wrong, this is embarrassing, this is incorrect. For example, when a person becomes uh, uh, 
undressed, he becomes, uh, he feels ashamed. Why does he feel ashamed? Uncomfortable. Uh, this is sometimes uh, born in him already, or instilled in him, or in, as he's born, he already feels this. One of the brothers was telling me, my little girl, she's so interesting. She'll, uh, as soon as uh, she, they're changing her, she immediately covers her chest area. She's a little, small little girl. And this is a genetical code in her. She already is embarrassed. It's already in her. Uh, but you also need to put the right form of discipline in there. Uh, it, you can't do other p things publicly as they do in Europe and other countries. As uh, in public, the, there's a uh, writing of Wanda where in public uh, it's uh, it's uh, inappropriate to be uh, uh, releasing certain unpleasant aromas in the in the atmosphere around people uh, when you're uh, proper and you don't do these kinds of things. But some uh, you'll you, you'll see this. Uh, people will be speaking even in public and will be doing these kinds of things. It's an inappropriate and unpleasant. Uh, if a person. Uh, has an unpleasant uh, need of some kind, he needs to uh, leave um, or uh, to, to take care of things. And so search yourself. Sometimes you said something and then you feel like something's wrong after you said something. You said something and then you go, oh, you, you lost your peace in your heart. If you lose your peace in your heart, this means that in you, everything's right because you've experienced that you lost this peace. It's bad when you don't experience this or feel this. When you do these kinds of things, you uh, you release uh, bad aromas around you. Brothers and sisters are suffering. Uh, I'm also talking about spiritual things. This also applies to spiritual things here. To examine uh, or test is also the ability to test the spirits and to behave accordingly. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. 1 John 4.1 You need to test the spirits of the prophet. You need to first listen to how they speak and look at whether this person behaves according to what they say, if they practice what they preach. Only then can you trust them. But there you're reading things uh, someone wrote on the internet and then you ask, have you met with this person? First, he, this person will never even sit with you or speak with you. And you begin to say that we had people and uh, they say, oh, this person and this person preaches, and I'll tell them, go and approach them as you could approach me, and will this person tolerate the things that you say, say against them like you would say, that you say against me? And so God wants and desires that we examine, uh, test uh, his promises also. 
that we have received in the covenant. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, and pour out for you such blessings, that there will not be room enough to receive them. Malachi 3, 8-10 the children of God that will begin to examine uh, God or test God in that they honor God in their tithes and offerings and follow His command will immediately see how God will bless them. That doesn't mean He will pour money on them or will give them uh, a lot at once. If you grow as a spiritual person, He'll trust you with more. But He'll begin with little and if you'll be faithful in little, He will then trust you with more. Sixth, to test and ex examine is the readiness to give God the ability to test our holiness. That is, hating those who hate God and those who uh, confront God and His people. Do not hate them, O Lord. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? I, I uh, and do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate, I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139, 21-24. He says, see me, I do as you do. I hate those who hate you. And uh, search me, O God, and know my heart. He says, it's very important not to rely upon the abilities of your mind so that you can give God the ability to uh, enlighten and show you, uh, show you the, the right way. Summons to examine or to test is the readiness to examine your own relationships. Psalm 26, 1 through 8. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. Examine, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. For your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. I have not sat with idolater adulterous mortals, nor will I go in with hypocrites. I have hated the assembly of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash my hands in innocence so I will go about your altar, O Lord, that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all your wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where glory dwells. He's talking here about examining his, mot examining his motives. What kind of motives do I have? What kind of goals do I have when I go to church? What would I like to receive from God when I go to church? All I would like to receive is I want to know Him. I want to know what He's prepared for me in the body of Christ. What He's prepared for His body. What will He be doing? What has He, he already done? And what will He be doing? And what I need to do to inherit those promises? I don't go after evangelism or anything else. Why? Because I know that when I seek the Lord and become a light, I'm already an evangelist. Because true evangelism is 
or evangelists are people that are a light to the world and a salt of the earth. And for this, they don't need to go anywhere. Thousands of people, uh, uh, members of a church, chose only uh, one to two people, and the rest remained in place. But here, pastors shout and say, what are you sitting here around for? Go and evangelize everyone. And they go to the park and 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 they all go approach people and uh, make people uncomfortable around them how many times people came to me and said what do I do I didn't bring a single soul to the Lord so I have no fruit but I said fruit is not bringing a soul to the Lord but to change your character I trust that our, our time is up today. Let us bend our knees. And who can't, just their heads. And we will pray. And may the Lord bless us in this prayer. We will thank Him for the word that we were able to receive today. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, again and again, I thank you upon this holy place. I glorify your holy name together with your people and thank you for the word we were able to receive today. May your mercy be a blessing to us so that we may understand, so that we may prophesy for each other the words of edification and comfort so that we can understand that every time we comfort one another, we prophesy because this is the essence of prophecy, not to scare a person and not to correct a person because correction is something only a prophet can do. One who prophesies, edifies, and comforts. I thank you, Lord of heaven and earth, that correction in the mouth of a prophet is also comfort because correction shows that they're the, the position of a father and that he loves us uh, correction from God and punishment is not the loss of close people or but correction is when the Lord corrects sometimes people become disappointed and then he says do not be disappointed when the Lord corrects you because the one that he loves he punishes we thank you Lord for your judgments for your corrections that also are our comfort we thank you for the promise of adoption of our body with your redemption it grows and is coming, becoming stronger day by day. And you, as the reader, can easily read it upon our heart because your coming is near. The night is coming to an end. And soon, at the twilight, you will rapture your bride from this earth, the chosen remnant that has received their promise into their heart about the adoption of their body by the redemption of Christ and that consider themselves today dead to sin, living for you, 
proclaiming the not existent as existent, that proclaim your lot contained in your names. They confess who you are to them and what you have done for them in, in your names, who we are to you in these names. We thank you for this joyous lot, for this surprising bliss. May your goodness and mercy be for us that leads us into the house of God, which is your body. And may your holy church be blessed your, before you and all those who will hear this word. We worship before you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Dear Pastor and the Church, I ask you to uh, re-establish my membership uh, to the Church. I will ask our sister to please come out. Our sister Vera, we spoke together for a couple of months. She's been uh, attending. She repented. It's a miracle that the Lord, for many years, uh, after many years, has uh, brought her back. God is able to blot out sins from his memory, and we also will blot out anything that may have happened, and we will receive her, and we will welcome her back so she be a full-on member again of this army. Let us stretch out our hand as a symbol before our God and pray, Heavenly Father, we thank you for our sister that she has she had died, but she, you resurrected her and brought her back and brought her here alive. You delivered her. You cleansed her from any sin. We thank you for this. Today we proclaim your mercy and we accept her back into membership as a member of the church. May she be blessed before your face and may your wisdom be upon her, your grace and your goodness be on her. We thank you for her. We worship before you, our great Godson and Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome. And now all together let us proclaim our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. <laughs> 